Hello, and welcome to Future Proof, Digital Assets for the Modern Financial Advisor, a new series from Financial Advisor IQ, a publication of the Financial Times, and brought to you by Galaxy Fund Management. Our topic today is, your clients are ready for Bitcoin. Are you? The economic landscape is about as uncertain as we've seen in very many years. The COVID-19 pandemic shook markets to their core, and as some investors reconsidering their investment mix and asking tough questions of their advisors. Among them, does Bitcoin have a place in my portfolio? Not long ago, the idea that Bitcoin might be a solution for volatility might have been met with scoffs. But our panelists today will tell you why they see uncorrelated assets as a reasonable fit for some investors' portfolios. So let's meet them. Steve Kurtz is the head of asset management for Galaxy. Steve, thanks for being with us today. Tom Cahill is a financial advisor and is the managing partner at FT300 ranked RIA firm, Beaumont Financial Advisors of Needham, Massachusetts. Hi, Tom. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. Happy to have you. And Brian Vendig is also an advisor. He is the president and managing executive of MJP Wealth Advisors, an FT300 ranked RIA with offices in Farmington and Westport, Connecticut. Brian, thanks for being with us. Everyone. Hi, John. How are you? Hi. Uh, gentlemen, there is a lot to cover, but let's start with some of the basics. Steve, I'm going to turn it over to you to give us the lay of the land. Thank you, Jonathan, and thank you, uh, Tom and Brian, for joining us. Um, thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, my name is, is Steve. I'm here representing Galaxy Digital. Um, very briefly on our firm, uh, we're founded by Mike Novogratz, who's our CEO. Uh, Mike was one of the founders of Fortress Investment Group. Uh, and a pre-IPO partner at Goldman Sachs, um, who like many in Wall Street, um, started to see the world changing five or six years ago and took a first position in Bitcoin in uh, 2012. Um, and since he made that uh, initial position, uh, he's learned a lot about what makes Bitcoin so special. And so we built our firm uh, out of uh, Mike's family office. Uh, today we're a 75 uh, person firm headquartered in New York. And really our mission is education. Um, we've been doing this for three years uh, as Galaxy Digital. And uh, for all of that time, we've been focused on educating advisors. Uh, and I think more than ever, because of the macro picture uh, that Jonathan kind of laid out, and I think we'll talk a little bit more about that today, we've doubled down on that mission. Um, the, the polling that we've done shows that 75%, so three and four uh, FAs have received questions from their clients. And so if you haven't received questions, my, my guess is you'll receive them soon. Uh, and that's not the same as it was a year or two years ago. And so we've seen this generational piece of, of Bitcoin and all digital assets um, really starting to trickle through to some of those client conversations. And so uh, we're going to talk about a few different things today, but there are sort of four key takeaways about Bitcoin specifically that I'd love uh, for you to remember uh, if you don't remember anything else from, from all that we say. Um, the first is Bitcoin is, is a store of value. It's a digital store of value, similar to gold. And I think some of the characteristics of gold like scarcity apply directly to Bitcoin. There are only 21 million Bitcoin in existence, and there only will ever be 21 million Bitcoin in existence. But then what you have different from gold is a price or a market cap that's only 2% of the market cap of gold. So while it's similar to gold, but digital, we would argue that it's both a growth asset and a macro hedge at the same time. I think to that point, the hedging piece is really important as you think about your portfolios looking forward. 
the reality is there just aren't that many assets that have you know small correlations or low correlations to the other major asset classes in the world. If you look at Bitcoin's correlations historically, they hover around zero, so plus or minus 0.25. And when I say historically, you know, Bitcoin's been around for 11 years now. It really was born out of the global financial crisis at a time where trust in the system had really come down, and it was a response to that. And I think phase one of Bitcoin was all about, you know, what does it mean to be a trustless system? And now as we're facing our second macro crisis in a decade or so, I think it's really about this adoption curve and what can Bitcoin do for you in a portfolio? So the third piece I want to leave you guys with is that a small allocation of Bitcoin can have a pretty big impact in the portfolio. And that's because it's a growth asset and because it has these low correlations. So at Galaxy, we've got a research team. We've done some work on portfolio construction as it relates to Bitcoin. And if you look at something, a simple framework like modern portfolio theory, for instance, and you run the math for Bitcoin, it really clearly indicates that between 50 basis points of a portfolio and 2% of a portfolio, you have very optimized returns. It increases the sharp of your overall portfolio. And again, that's not a one-year or three-year or even five-year picture. That's 11 years. So we have an increasing data set from which to work with. Finally, the fourth point I want to mention is that we believe a fund structure is the appropriate way to access Bitcoin. Many of you have heard of Coinbase, you've heard of other ways that particularly millennial buyers of Bitcoin have accessed that market. The reality is those are early stage companies themselves. It is still a growing asset. And I think what's really important is to give your clients a clear and safe and institutional framework through which to access Bitcoin. We've built a fund called the Galaxy Bitcoin Fund that has world-class service providers and custody at places like ICE and Fidelity that you've heard of with familiar reporting. And I think that that sort of mitigates some of the considerations that you would otherwise have if you were trying to access Bitcoin directly. So those are really the four uh, pieces. We're going to dive into a few different topics today. I'm really excited to talk with Tom and Brian, but, but I think the bottom line is <clears throat> the world is digitizing rapidly. Um, that digital trend is here to stay. Uh, and Bitcoin is right in the middle of that, um, as you think of some of those second and third order implications uh, of the macro picture. Steve, that's great. Thank you. Uh, Tom and Brian, neither of you is a, uh, is a stranger to Bitcoin and digital assets. You both have some experience with your clients. So uh, why don't you tell our, uh, our listeners who are you know, also financial advisors, uh, you know, what that experience is and, and, and how you got started with it. Tom, we'll start with you. Sure. Steve hit on a lot of the highlights already. So uh, a, lot, a lot of the reasons are, are, are already documented here, but we definitely uh, came into 2020 after such a strong 2019 in the equity markets, thinking that there's probably gonna be more volatility. We might not have as much luck in equities. Uh, and given what was going on around the globe and all the expansionary policies with central banks, we were looking for, for something that had, some, again, the attributes that Steve described. Uh, we, we wanted to have something that was, you know, more of a hedge in the portfolio, something that was a little different. We'd followed Bitcoin Obviously, given all the notoriety achieved in uh, 2017, we had clients asking about it, but we were a little concerned about some of the volatility characteristics that it, it had and, and what happened after, you know, it's, it's meteoric rise in late 2017. So we kind of dug back in um, in late 19 and started really researching more and thought, you know, that the things that it's a little more mature, it's stabilized a little bit, um, and that it had features that we thought would make sense in a portfolio, sort of debasement insurance, 
um, again, given some of our concerns. And we thought that in allocate, we've seen some of the nice research that the Galaxy and others provided uh, that Steve alluded to. And we saw that he's adding a little bit of Bitcoin into a portfolio in conjunction with gold. We always follow gold and use gold on and off over the years. We thought some Bitcoin would really be um, a, a good tool to use in a portfolio for both hedging and then over time, you know, given its remarkable performance. Uh, granted, it's only 11 years, as Steve noted, but we thought that it would be a good tool to add and, and probably bolster performance over time, as well as offer some exposure to a less correlated asset class. Thanks, Tom. Brian, how about you? What's, uh, tell us about your experience. Sure. So um, when we work with clients, we look at all asset classes as a means to design um, the appropriate uh, investment management approach. And as we thought about uh, things moving forward, especially considering some of the macro um, economic um, elements uh, in the economy right now, we looked to uh, made sense to continue to look outside of traditional asset classes and try to incorporate um, more alternative investments as part of our strategies. Um, we have um, a lot of experience in the alternative investment space, and we think that you know, looking at crypto or blockchain or, or Bitcoin in this case is, is something that, um, you know, might, might add value um, from not only a diversification, but as Tom mentioned, um, correlation with traditional uh, stock and bond markets. Um, I think it's something that uh, is worth considering as part of the, um, the asset allocation uh, approach um, and also, um, you know, the compare to gold you know, might make sense moving forward from the standpoint of an inflationary environment, uh, which is something that, um, you know, we're researching and kind of focused on as a potential theme uh, playing out. Uh, the other I would also say is that, you know, we're all living obviously right now in a, in a, in a, in a COVID related world. And when we move out of the uh, pandemic, uh, you might see more acceleration happening within the financial services industry and in trying to approach more electronic currencies, uh, as I mentioned before, as an element of uh, storing value. So it's also another theme that I think plays in well uh, regarding, um, you know, a world post pandemic uh, and something that, that we should all consider. Sure. I want to move into, you know, talking about uh, how financial advisors can get comfortable with, uh, with Bitcoin and digital assets, because I think a lot of our listeners today um, may not have the experience that uh, the two of you, really, obviously, the three of you have. Um, they may be interested. They may see the, uh, the logic behind it, but they don't even know where to begin. So, so Steve, I'm going to turn to you with that question. Where, how does any of this work? You know, who, who are the buyers? Who are the sellers? What are the exchanges? Who custodies the assets? How, how does any of this work? You know, for the financial advisor who, who's, who's comfortable with, with ETFs and mutual funds, how do they do this? Well, it's, it's a great question. Uh, as a starting point, I think, um, you know, historically, so five years ago or 10 years ago, uh, what we would call the crypto community ha has not done a great job of answering those questions. So it's fair if you're an advisor and you have those questions. Um, I think What's important is that uh, in the last two years, and everyone does remember this 2017 piece, as Tom says, in the last two years, it's been much quieter for Bitcoin and crypto, but there's been much more fundamental work happening under the hood from the perspective of its development as an asset, 
and its development as an asset class if you look more broadly at digital assets. So uh, to answer your question on the demographics of the market um, directly, uh, one of the most important foundational pieces that's different today from two years ago um, is that major companies, I mentioned Fidelity and ICE, um, in November, December of last year, uh, received New York DFS uh, approval for Bitcoin custody. Uh, that was the first time um, that, that something like that had happened. There had been you know, good tech solutions uh, and custodial players in the space before, but you never had Fidelity and you didn't have ICE. Uh, you know, if you look at the fund that we have, you, you have Deloitte as an auditor. You would never have had Deloitte as an auditor for our, for the fund two or three years ago. And I think that speaks to, um, you know, both a, a waking up to what this is and why it matters. Um, I think that regulators have spent a lot more time uh, thinking about uh, how this fits and what uh, what box perhaps it fits in. Um, and I think really it symbolizes um, a, mat a maturation of the market, which three or four years ago, admittedly, was more of a retail-led uh, 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 sort of situation. You had early holders of Bitcoin that held for 10 years, and then you had great excitement from the retail community accessing through Coinbase and other exchanges, and that was a bit of a free-for-all, and I think we've turned the page on that. Um, so today you see, uh, in terms of the demographics, you see many hedge funds uh, participating. Obviously, recently we saw Tudor Investment Corporation, uh, legendary macro trader Paul Tudor Jones, um, taking a position in his fund. Uh, I believe the FT reported uh, a couple of months ago that uh, Renaissance Technologies uh, was considering or had accessed Bitcoin futures. And so you're starting to get, um, I think, broadly speaking, the hedge fund community, um, the wealth community increasingly. Uh, and then you're, you're seeing nibbles from institutional allocators who see the benefits of Bitcoin in a portfolio. And so that institutional piece is recognizing the infrastructure getting comfortable with some of the regulatory pieces of this and now looking around and saying, oh, maybe there are credible counterparties. We, we'd hope that Galaxy was one of those, uh, but there are others as well that are operating the right way uh, and that have had traditional experience in the financial world where they can bring those same standards to bear in this uh, emerging asset class, like what happened to gold in the 70s. Brian, has, has that uh, has that changed the way that you've approached this? Do, do you feel like you have more faith because, you know, more trust in this market because of, uh, you know, the fidelities, you know, getting involved. And, you know, how, how has this affected your willingness to bring, you know, clients in, into uh, Bitcoin? Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it helps obviously from a fiduciary perspective to know that there's transparency and there's access of information that's available as a means to, you know, understand volatility and performance and also understand just the general, we'll call it supply chain, you know, around, you know, Bitcoin in general, which, you know, might not have been there, um, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, and in addition, there's there's more readable uh, information available where now there's indexes, right? Now there's, you know, the ability to report performance and track it on a consistent basis, which helps to, you know, make the right determination for your clients um, to say, is this, you know, something that, that, that would help and, and could be available to them. I think also that, you know, the other point raised was just that there's more focus on compliance, um, you know, and having that as part of the process with disclosure, um, that also helps obviously do your job effectively to, to try to keep your client's interests in mind. So I think all this is, is a normal process of maturation. Um, and, and obviously we're confident that that's going to continue to play out over time.
And, and could, I, could I add to that, Brian? I, 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 I you triggered a few thoughts. Um, it's not just the custody piece or the service provider piece. Um, I, I should have mentioned also, if you look today, they're both ICE and CME. So the, the two largest conventional players also have Bitcoin futures. Um, ICE law, launched regulated Bitcoin options. And so when you, when you compare uh, not just the buyer base uh, and the demographics of the market to 2017, you also think about what can keep a future rally like that honest, so to speak. And I think futures and options are an important piece of that financial infrastructure that makes sure that, you know, of course, Bitcoin still has volatility, uh, but those are the those are the parameters that are going to help uh, that volatility uh, at least live within a band, in our view, going forward. Um, and the other piece from an index perspective, I was remiss in, in not mentioning, uh, you know, we, we have built an index with, with Bloomberg. So the Bloomberg Galaxy Crypto Index um, is a reference point for anyone who wants to understand uh, how crypto is doing. So the BGCI is up 42% this year, and you can compare that to conventional markets in a pretty volatile year and say, okay, there's something to look at there. Whether, you're not, whether or not you make the investment is, is your choice, uh, but this is an asset that's trackable by a company like Bloomberg, the same team that uh, you know, constructed the Lehman Ag, the legacy Lehman Ag, uh, the largest, most liquid uh, market on the planet. Uh, so you know that there's some, some integrity to the data behind that, uh, and there's more there to study. And Tom, uh, how has all this, you know, uh, affected your approach with your clients? And, 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 and with that, tell us about, you know, how you first got into uh, investing in Bitcoin digital assets with your clients. What was that experience like and how did factors like these play into it? No, definitely the, um, from two or three years ago to now, it's been, there has been a dramatic change. I mean, a few years ago you had lots of different players in the cryptocurrency space. Bitcoin was certainly one of the, the, the leaders, but I think as, as, as the gentleman, both of them make great points about sort of, it's definitely matured. Uh, there's, there's a lot going on. We do a lot with Fidelity, not to plug Fidelity, but they um, you know, included us in, in some of their research and some of their um, preliminary work as they were building out their platform. They posed questions as to how we might participate or use it because we do a lot with, like, like Brian, we do a lot with alternatives too. Uh, so they're aware of our interest. And so the fact that Fidelity, you know, is putting forth such a big investment into the platform and the fact that, I mean, the big issue a few years ago that we had was, you know, custody, but really hacking and security were two client concerns that we were really worried, you know, that made it a little bit hard to figure out how to wrap your arms around it. So as those issues sort of have, have been, more or less resolved and, and there's more, as Steve alluded to, you know, more players, more ways to access it. We've gotten more comfortable um, and, and again, introducing it to clients, but, you know, trying to see how it fits into their asset allocation, if it fits in, how to use it in conjunction with gold. Those have all gotten much more, um, you know, easy to do, easy to think about in the last year or so. So that, that made it much easier for us to then pursue it with our clients. Brian, Tom brings up an interesting point about client concerns. I'm curious, what uh, what concerns have you heard from clients, at least initially? Sure. I mean, um, as clients bring the topic up, I, I think it's one of those kind of word of mouth, you know, tell me a little bit more, uh, like to be educated a little bit more about it. So it, it's more of the questions of, um, you know, is, is this, is this, Legitimate? Is it? Uh, is it something that can actually really store value? Uh, how can I track this? What? What is it? How is it created? So it's really, if you take a step back from it, it's it's questions uh, people would probably ask about, let's say a, a a company that they didn't hear of before, 
that might be listed on the stock exchange, right? So tell me more about the company, how it operates, what's its business model. Take those same type of point of views and maybe translate it to a cryptocurrency. Um, you kind of have the same conversations. Obviously, the substance is a little bit different than the form. Um, and I think if, if you can provide information to help people understand risk and reward and also to better understand how it kind of fits into the overall portfolio as part of a short-term or longer-term objective, um, it's just like having a conversation you know, uh, versus any other investment vehicle. Shifting gears a little bit into current events, um, there's, uh, there, there's a lot to talk about here. And I think um, you know, probably the most current or just about the most current of events that's on everyone's mind is the COVID-19 pandemic. It's why we are shooting this video in four different locations from four different offices uh, today. So COVID uh, has certainly uh, gotten people thinking about their investments. It affected the markets to a large extent. Steve, what do you, th how, do, what, how does this affect the, out the outlook for, for Bitcoin? What, what are the macro factors that, uh, that, that will affect Bitcoin in the near future? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I, I mean, look, at, at the macro level, you've had almost $4 trillion, maybe a little over $4 trillion now in QE since, since February. Debt-to-GDP levels are over 200% um, globally. And, uh, you know, you've got historic deficits that are approaching 20%. Um, and there's a real uh, question um, that FAs have to think about on behalf of their clients, which is, which is what does this what does this mean for portfolio, obviously, but how does this play out over the next five years? And, you know, my sense, uh, you know, having, having worked at Lehman Brothers in the financial crisis, uh, for instance, is that is that we have choppy waters ahead. Um, and so when you look at something like Bitcoin in that context, um, and Paul Tudor Jones wrote about this in his recent investor letter, you've got this great monetary inflation and you don't have that many tools in the toolkit. Uh, to combat that great monetary inflation. And so uh, forget whether it was the right thing or the wrong thing for governments to do. It's a crisis and they're acting. Uh, but for portfolios, there are second and third order effects that last for many years. And I think Bitcoin scarcity, right, the lack of a supply response um, is just an unbelievable ju juxtaposition when you hold it against some of the profligacy, perhaps justified, that we've seen from governments. And so Bitcoin's going to keep doing what it does. There's still only going to be 21 million Bitcoin uh, ever created, whether it's today or five years or 10 years from now. What will happen, in my view, is the world will be looking, because of this macro picture, for hard assets, scarce assets in their portfolios. Uh, and I think, as Tom uh, says, they'll go, to, they'll go to gold, but they'll also go to Bitcoin. Uh, you know, there are a few other tools in the toolkit. I think Bitcoin has made a strong case to be one of those tools in the toolkit. So I think the macro environment is very constructive. Um, for, for Bitcoin as we look at the adoption curve in the near and medium term. Brian, Tom, any, uh, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, so I think that what I failed to say earlier was that Bitcoin sort of has emerged as the clear winner for some of the reasons that Steve mentioned. I mean, there's just the fact that it is self-sovereign, that there's a limited supply, that you know, there's no central, it's decentralized. I mean, all those attributes are really attractive in light of the fact that we've got this massive, I, I think uh, John Paul <laughs> Tudor Jones, um, Paul Tudor Jones was saying that uh, that he looks at Bitcoin as a, I think he used the term refuge, yeah, you know, because of the great monetary inflation coming. So I mean, that being said, it just 
kind of makes it more and more compelling of an argument to at least consider it. Brian, what, why is that significant to your clients when, when a Paul Tudor Jones uh, takes, a big, uh, takes a big stake in a Bitcoin? I like to think about uh, you know, what Mark Twain said in the past, which is history doesn't repeat itself, but sometimes it rhymes. And hopefully I'm doing a good job paraphrasing that quote, is, is, is people think back to what happened in the 70s and they think back to a hyperinflationary environment. And we look at what's going on right now relative to the relief aid that was passed by Congress and the Fed. And people are saying to themselves, okay, uh, there's free money again within the, in the system because interest rates are you know, being, being held artificially uh, low. And we're adding additional debt. So how are we gonna get out of this issue kind of post pandemic? And I think just thinking about the concern that with pent up aggregate demand from the world closing to now reopening, seeing how that recovery plays out, and then us all saying to ourselves, well, how, how are central governments going to pay these bills? Could there be an inflationary period of time that's going to be in front of us? Traditionally, gold, um, you know, was obviously used as a, as a, currency or a storage of value for, for hard, you know, as a hard asset to offset um, loss of purchasing power through physical currency. Um, so could it be that, you know, history is going to repeat itself here and we need to look at other asset classes that might not be um, influenced by the change in price of currency, such as gold is. And that's where maybe Bitcoin, you know, could be something we're thinking about as part of that, that, that forward looking strategy. Now, Paul Tudor Jones seems to uh, have that point of view. Uh, Goldman Sachs seems to not have that point of view. Uh, they recently came out uh, making a statement that they do not think that Bitcoin is a suitable investment for their clients. They think it is too dependent upon the whims of investors uh, and their willingness to simply pay more for the same asset. Um, we will go around and everyone will have a chance to offer their thoughts on it. But Tom, I'm going to start with you. So why do you think that Bitcoin is a suitable asset to, for your clients, uh, different from what Goldman Sachs has to say about it? Yeah. I mean, the Goldman Sachs piece seemed a little, um, you know, self-serving there because they, they, they talked about bonds, which we look at bonds right now and it's really hard to, to as much as, you know, we deal with a lot of retirees. It's, a, it's an asset class that's been around, but at zero interest rate and, and potentially negative interest rate or negative yields in the future, it's really hard to put too much of an allocation there. Equities, obviously, there's valuation issues that are, that are present that, again, you kind of have to struggle with. But Goldman failed to talk about how well gold performed over, has performed over time, nor did it mention Bitcoin even, which has been fabulous performance. So the fact that they sort of ignored the two, those two asset classes that are what we're talking about today makes the whole Goldman piece a little, a little dubious. Um, you know, we just, we just like the fact that again, a lot of the, the, the characteristics we've talked about are present and that as, as, as Brian said, as we look out, given some of these headwinds with respect to expansionary policy, you got to have some other assets that are going to perform and, and hopefully, you know, be less correlated and not participate. So Bitcoin really fits the bill as a candidate. 
Now, Brian, um, I think when, uh, when you talk about the idea of suitability and Goldman saying that this is not a suitable investment, um, there, there is a, probably a fair question of, well, who is Bitcoin suitable for? Because perhaps it's not everyone. So I'm curious what your thoughts are. Who should be investing in Bitcoin? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, as a firm, we're not, we're not making a, you know, an overall macro you know, allocation to Bitcoin or, or crypto as part of our portfolio strategies. Uh, on an overall basis for clients, this is more on a case-by-case -case basis because there are dissenting views and because they're, they're, this is a new area for people and depending on you know, how people think about change, it isn't something that, that everyone always jumps for, right? Um, I think you need to make a decision on a case-by-case -case basis where you know, a client is trying to understand what's the investment thesis, what's their risk tolerance, how does that asset align to the goals? This is an alternative investment. So um, it's not to say that it shouldn't have a place in the portfolio, but you really need to cater it to the clients that you know, might be open-minded in, in looking at it almost as a new uh, technology or a new change agent that they can put in their portfolio than using traditional asset classes that might've worked well um, decades in the past when the technology and the system wasn't available. So I, we take a view of um, understanding our clients first and then saying for the right segment of the client base, where would this be a good idea? And then time will play out. And eventually I think we'll get to the, you know, the answers in the middle sometimes of, of, of polarizing views. Steve, you get the final word. Why, uh, what did Goldman get wrong in your, you know, in your opinion, why, uh, you know, and certainly in Galaxy's opinion, because Galaxy, uh, you know, Galaxy believes that it's a suitable investment. So, so tell us why. Yeah, and look, our, our CEO is a pre-IPO partner at Goldman. We have a number of, of folks on our team that came from Goldman. So we had a, we had a chuckle when it came out. You know, I, I think it, it comes back a little bit to the, the three out of four clients are asking about this. And, and, you know, we had a laugh. If you're listening to the call when it, when it came out, this wasn't just a call about Bitcoin. It was a call about gold and the, the macro economy. And, you know, Goldman felt compelled to say at the beginning, this is not a call about Bitcoin, which, you know, we, we chuckle because there's obviously this enthusiasm that's generational and it's global. And so on some level, you know, I, I think they'll end up, um, you know, wishing they had, had done that presentation a little bit differently. I, I think that it's, it's, from having been in, the, in this industry for the last three years, it's a couple of years behind in terms of some of what it says. I think it's really hard to uh, understand what's effectively a hedge against the system when you are the system. And so I think, you know, as a starting point, there's, a, there's an understanding of that. And then there's a what do you recommend to clients question that follows from that. Uh, you know, I, I understand why Goldman and its PWM group does not recommend Bitcoin to clients. I, I happen to think that's a huge opportunity for uh, independents out there um, who are perhaps a little more open-minded um, to some of the facts. Uh, you know, this is an asset that has uh, outperformed other major asset classes on a three-year, five-year, 10-year, and year-to-day basis. And so, uh, you know, when, when, you, when you look at that, and, you know, we wrote a piece that sort of goes through some of the misperceptions from that piece, and, and anyone can access it from our website. Uh, but I just think there's, a, there's an open-mindedness um, to new ideas uh, that I think was a little bit lacking there. 
Uh, and I think that uh, those who like Bitcoin as a hedge to the system should, uh, should actually be happy that they made that statement. All right, Brian, a uh, question for you. Um, so uh, you have clients who hold digital assets. Um, talk about how you allocate their portfolios. Uh, how do you put them together? What part of the portfolio is now going to Bitcoin that used to go someplace else? Where did that money come from? What, what, what is the role that Bitcoin is playing? Sure. So just from an overall perspective, um, being that we consider an alternative asset class as part of the strategies uh, that we manage, um, we take a look to say uh, for clients that want to explore um, the alternative universe, you know, what percentage of the total portfolio uh, might be allocated to that segment. Um, and then specifically within that segment, we say, okay, uh, from that amount, what are we using as a, as a pure hedge relative to volatility that could happen both in the traditional uh, stock and bond market? So, um, you know, in general, um, depending on a client's uh, objectives or risk profile, let's just say we might have you know, five to 10%, you know, an overall portfolio and alternative investments. Um, and then this might be a portion of that. So uh, similar to how, um, you know, we look at gold, um, you know, it might be a couple percentage points as part of an overall portfolio, but part of a greater, you know, allocation to alternative investments. Um, and it would come from, again, looking at risk and reward, both in traditional fixed income, uh, as well as the equity market and just in just trying to make it part of an overall um, client portfolio. Brian, quick follow up to that. I mean, what's the give me a sense of what, what, what's the most you would put of a client's portfolio into Bitcoin? Um, I mean, generally speaking, we'd probably say somewhere between about two or three percent, you know, not north of five, you know, somewhere in that direction, depending on how we you know, think about, um, you know, a hedge to inflation or just trying um, to look for uh, a place to store value from an appreciation point of view. Tom, uh, turning it over to you, really the same question. Uh, how does Bitcoin fit into your client's portfolios? Uh, how are you using it? Actually, very similar to what Brian said. We definitely um, look at it as part of the alternative investment allocation. And we might be a little heavier in terms of the overall uh, allocation to alternatives in a portfolio, but it's similar, we, two to three percent is pretty much where we've been um, putting it. Although we have, we have some clients who are a little more concerned about the threat of inflation and what's going on with central banks who want to have, for example, we have a few, usually it's our larger clients that might have 5% to gold, 5% to Bitcoin, because they're really, really uh, vocal about their concerns. So, you know, certainly it's their money, so we'll, we'll do what they ask on that front. But generally speaking, very, very similar to what Brian said in that it's a part of the alternatives. We don't really pull it specifically from fixed income or from equities, but where it has more volatility and sort of some somewhat more aggressive attributes laden, we, we probably pull more from our aggressive equity allocation to fund it, um, but it, it varies. Steve, Galaxy recently made a, uh, a pretty major announcement about a new partnership. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? And, and really, what does this mean for uh, the financial advisors who are listening? How, how does this help provide uh, new access for them? 
Yeah, look, we're, we're really excited to be partnering with, with CASE um, for, for two reasons. Uh, CASE is focused on both education and on access. And I think that really lines up well with how we think about getting Bitcoin exposure uh, you know, with secure custody and all those great pieces uh, from the Galaxy funds to the uh, average RIA, uh, RIA that may not have uh, the ability to plug into a private fund structure. Um, so from that perspective, we think it'll be much more of a seamless experience. Um, more broadly, it fits right in line with how we've thought about building the business. Um, three years ago, we started with a partnership with Bloomberg, and it was about data standardization, defining the taxonomy of a new asset class, and the integrity of that data as well. In the subsequent years, we've partnered with service providers. I've mentioned Fidelity and ICE and Deloitte, names you've heard of, uh, to build great products. And now as we step into actual access uh, to the underlying uh, FAs and their clients, we wanted to make sure uh, that we plugged in well in a way that was uh, as seamless as it could be given the fund structure that we have, which is a private uh, fund. How does this improve the, uh, the, the experience for financial advisors uh, working with you? Absolutely, there, there's two ways. One, uh, Case IQ is uh, an intelligence platform um, that we are partnering with them to build dedicated, uh, not just Bitcoin content, but also digital asset, broader crypto uh, content, blockchain education materials. Um, so you'll see a full suite uh, of really high quality educational information through the Case IQ platform. Uh, and then secondly, um, to the extent that, uh, you know, you're an RIA uh, that, that uh, would like to see, you know, that investment in the Bitcoin fund on the statement, um, you can actually go through Case's portal and invest in Galaxy Bitcoin funds that way. And the, the documents and everything will be very seamless and plug in uh, to Galaxy's uh, Bitcoin fund. All right, Steve, Bitcoin is up about 10,000% since 2013. That is substantially more than Amazon, which has done quite well. It's quite remarkable what the rise has been, and it's captured a lot of eyeballs, and it's why we have conversations like this. But I'm sure there are some skeptical investors and perhaps skeptical advisors on the line who are wondering, well, aren't we chasing past, uh, past results? by getting in now. So, so what do you say to them? Well, it's a fair starting point. I think to contextualize um, the question, you know, the current market cap of Bitcoin is roughly 175 billion. Um, and so that, uh, if you compare it to gold, um, which is around a $9 trillion market cap, that's about 2% of gold's market cap. Uh, and they're competing on some level for the same lane, although they are complementary. Um, so that gives you a sense of, of really how much room there is to grow. The other way to think about this is, is adoption. This is a new technology that people are coming into and getting excited about. Um, but we've still only uh, reached about 100 million people in terms of people who have bought Bitcoin. And we live in a world that has 7 billion people. Um, if you look, um, the top five holdings of millennials, Bitcoin is one of them. And so as, as the world grows into this and as the macro picture shifts uh, to help people understand why they should own Bitcoin, um, you'll see more hedge funds come in. You'll see the wealth channel uh, participate. We, we did a proprietary survey in May during which about 54% of uh, RIAs said that they would be recommending, they would be likely to recommend Bitcoin to their clients over the next 12 months. And as everyone knows, that's, that's a very large market, but it's just getting started in terms of its participation in Bitcoin. And so I think the combination of the macro picture, the relatively small market cap, and then this generational side of this, all mean there's plenty of room for Bitcoin to go higher. Tom, what, what, what do you think about that? Is, uh, are you getting that question from your clients? Uh, a little bit. Um, I think, and we point them to the fact that you know, the world's becoming more digitized and, and Bitcoin 
is clearly seems to be the currency of the internet. Um, and as people, as more and more e-commerce is done, it, it seems that it's going to go that direction. And, and so you, you probably, you got to jump on board. Um, and so we definitely, I think, uh, Education is a key thing in terms of trying to get, and there's more and more content out there now than there used to be about Bitcoin by, by places like Galaxy and others. Um, and so we'd really encourage the folks that are interested to learn more themselves because it makes the conversation just that much easier. Uh, there's a great book too that, that we, through other advisors, we definitely recommend uh, called The Bitcoin. It's just a really good backdrop for anyone who has an interest and has concerns to really sort of get the whole history and understand the evolution of Bitcoin. Um, so we really try to make people be more informed as, as a starting point. And Brian, what, what do you, uh, what, what, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, we, we're having this as a wider conversation with clients, just thinking about, as I said before, things post pandemic and also just looking at how there are certain trends, you know, happening, uh, within the economy, within society, where technology uh, is, is pushing forward change. And, you know, we think about it as a fourth industrial revolution that's happening um, that could be accelerated across a bunch of different sectors of which crypto um, and blockchain and other type of technologies in that space are part of that story. So as Tom mentioned, I think um, the fact that there, there are now uh, you know, more um, investment options that are available in uh, public market spaces, as well as in private placement uh, spaces, where you can really kind of compare and contrast in what you're investing in. And there's more information available um, to, to make those uh, choices. Um, I think, you know, our job as advisors is to try to help people um, have better choices and help to support more efficient and effective decision-making. So it's all kind of, I look at it as one, you know, one, you know, ongoing conversation, advice-driven conversation and, and trying to make it as, as customized as possible to a client so that if this is something that works well with your clients and it's worth having a conversation because there's now um, some really good choices that are out there and there, there's quality of information to review. And that leads us into uh, our, our final set of questions here, our final section, which is really trying to help the advisors out there who are listening to this and are learning about it and maybe have uh, some new interest in, in, in pursuing this. But, you know, now they need to figure out, all right, so, so where do I get started? Steve? Yeah, I, I think it was much more important a couple of years ago to, to really study the exchange landscape. And, and, and don't get me wrong, there, there are definitely some, some areas where you can, you know, that, where you have to, to, to be careful. But, but as, um, as, as my colleagues here have mentioned, there are, there are better options today than there were before. Uh, and, and part of having better options means people that will pick up the phone and talk to you. If, if you call Galaxy, uh, we're happy to tell you about Bitcoin. We put out a piece that's called Bitcoin's Role in the Modern Portfolio that you know, I think in, in 30 minutes or 60 minutes, someone could wrap their head around why this matters, what it is and how it fits. Um, you know, there are there is its own crypto speak and, and there's no real shortcut to that. You know, when someone says having don't get stressed, that just means the inflation rate of Bitcoin is coming down programmatically and it'll continue to come down until no more Bitcoin are issued. And so there's a few things like that, like with any new asset class. Uh, but, but I really think that um, what, what's kind of interesting to me is 
people have invested in the internet for 30 years, many of them don't know how the internet works. You don't need to know why a blockchain is immutable to understand why Bitcoin is important. And I think that that studying Bitcoin in the context of this current macro environment is the perfect starting point and understanding its scarcity is the most important starting point. And then comparing it to gold is a great way to start. So I would, I would uh, go to some of the large players in the space, download their research reports. I would stay away from Googling or, or going down the Reddit rabbit hole too much. Um, there's some great uh, podcasts out there. Laura Shin, if you look up on uh, Apple Podcasts, has been, uh, she's a former uh, Forbes journalist who's been uh, working on, on the Bitcoin podcast and crypto podcast for years now. So there's a number of really nice resources out there. Um, or you can just give us a call anytime. We're, we're happy to chat. And Tom and Brian, uh, the question to you for, for, for the advisor who's listening right now, who, you know, on the strength of, of your insights on this webcast now suddenly wants to, uh, wants to learn more and, and, and wants to find out more, um, where should they start? As you guys were both saying, there, there, there's definitely, definitely more product offerings now in terms of funds and securities that are legitimate, you know, you hold them out, the custodians accept them, and it's just a lot easier to access where before, as you were talking about earlier, you know, having to go to Coinbase or have a wallet and all the security issues and all the technological challenges of accessing Bitcoin, that, those are all, you know, being removed uh, as we speak, so that it's really much more accessible than it was before for advisors to, 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 to utilize. So that makes it really, you know, it takes away the bigger, some of the bigger hurdles. So, so that's great. Um, and as Steve said, Galaxy has lots of content that's good, and there's some other sponsor firms out there as well. So it, it's pretty. It, if you're, I mean, the, the question is, and, and we're really only in the first or second inning. I mean, there's there's a long way to go here, I think, in Bitcoin's future. So as an advisor, you haven't missed anything. I think there's a lot, a lot of opportunity ahead, and it's it's a question of getting on the bus. I mean, you you, you kind of got to get on the bus, I think, um, just so you, you can at least talk to your clients about it. I mean, again, it's not for everybody, but I think it should be. Brian, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I guess just to drill in deeper, it, it would be spend the time um, to, you know, make the comparisons for yourself and then talk to, um, you know, subject matter experts like, like Steve or, or benchmarking with colleagues like Tom, you know, just to kind of talk about experiences and get more into the, the detail on where you need to, uh, you know, feel comfortable. So specific for us, you know, we, we kind of did the compare and contrast between, um, you know, providers, you know, like Galaxy and others, you know, in the liquid space where, you know, there, there are, you know, available solutions that trade on an intraday basis, as well as, you know, we work with, uh, you know, various private placements, um, you know, in the space, um, like the Crypto uh, Future Fund, for example, and others where um, it's Bitcoin is, a, is one of the primary holdings of the fund, but you can be invested in other you know, cryptocurrencies as well from a diversification, just like you can, you can have, um, you know, a product, you know, from Steve's firm as well, that, that might be primarily more Bitcoin led depending on your objective. So I think there's, I, I think just like anything, right, you're trying to make an informed decision. So, you, um, you know, you're getting feedback and information from various sources. Steve, I'm going to give you a last word on this one. Um, with, uh, you know, if you're a financial advisor, you're looking to get uh, clients into Bitcoin, you're looking for the right place to access it. Is, uh, is there anything from your perspective, anything new that, that, uh, that Galaxy is doing that, that could be of interest to, uh, to uh, our listeners? 
Yeah, look, I, I think that what Tom said is, is right on. It, it's early. And I think that um, if you're not doing the work, you should be doing the work right now. We, um, we are more convinced than ever that there's a paradigm shift taking place. We've talked about the digitization uh, of, of, of the world. We've talked about uh, the macro trends. Um, I, I think all of those point to things not being the same as they were before. Um, what, what, I, what I think is really important to understand is that crypto is not a panacea. Bitcoin is not a panacea. It's a potential piece of the solution. Uh, and what's really important as you think about what is a more volatile asset class than what you would otherwise consider potentially is sizing first and foremost, and then also isolating uh, the investment. In other words, you want to mitigate operational risk and you want to mitigate counterparty risk. So I really would encourage uh, you to, to dig in a little bit on Coinbase and what are the risks of going directly and is, what is a SIM swap risk and compare it to a fund a private placement fund, uh, which maybe has you know great service providers but worse liquidity, and then compare it to a trust where you're not actually owning the Bitcoin. Maybe there's a premium, but you have intraday liquidity. Just take a little bit of time to do the blocking and tackling of those three areas, uh, and then make the right decision for your clients on the back of that work because um, this is it, this is here to stay. Um, digital value is here to stay. How that plays out and and gets defined over time is what the next ten years are all about. Uh, and so I encourage you guys just to spend a little time and, and then, uh, you know, step, uh, don't leap into the space. And uh, hopefully there are more interesting opportunities to follow on the back of that. Gentlemen, our time is up for today. Uh, we've covered a lot and, uh, and there's so much more to talk about, but uh, I, think, uh, I think we do have to be respectful of our audience's time and their, and their busy schedules. So thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, to be with us today, Steve. Uh, Tom and Brian, thank you. Uh, we really appreciate it. And thanks, of course, to Galaxy Fund Management for helping us to bring you this content today. To our viewers, thank you again for your time. As I mentioned, this is the first episode of a brand new series that we're calling Future Proof, Digital Assets for the Modern Advisor. Uh, in our next episode, we will be joined by the legendary value investor, Bill Miller, and Galaxy's founder, Mike Novogratz. We are looking forward to that, and that will be available on June 25th. So look out for registration information uh, regarding that. We will have that to you very shortly in the coming days. And that's all for today. Have a great rest of your day and a great rest of your day.